You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter 6. I would also ask you, uh, and I'm going to ask you specifically at the end of the service, that you would pray, uh, whether there at the pew or here at the altar, for our Bladen Baptist Association. Uh, I'm excited. I've been telling you uh, about our meet and greet on Monday night, March the 20th. That's just uh, less than two weeks away. And um, to come meet our prospective candidate. And uh, it will be from 5.30 to 7.30 at the Bladen Baptist Association office. You'll be blessed to meet him. And um, help in the community. I know there's a lot of folks that are kind of wondering, well, who is this masked man? Who is this character that nobody knows anything about? Uh, I'll tell you this. He's been at his church well over 20 years. And uh, when we made the announcement that we were ready to bring a candidate uh, to the association for consideration, the last thing we wanted to do was put his name out there so that his church that he's loved for well over 20 years would be heard and would find that out that way. Uh, So we've tried to respect that confidentiality and... um, through that process, and obviously on that night, uh, the word will probably get out uh, to his church and that kind of thing. But I just want to make that transition as easy as possible. Uh, so please, please, please uh, be in prayer for that whole process and uh, just trust that, um, that God would be glorified uh, in it all, and we know that he will be. Well, last Monday night, we had a mission speaker, and she started talking about the sluggard. And she said, how many of y'all, I'll tell you what, guys, I'm going to back away from that and turn my lapel on, okay? Oh, it was already on. Never mind. Not before the singing. And she asked about how many of you knew about the sluggard in the Bible. And I looked around and very few hands were raised. And I thought, aha, there's a great subject matter for next Wednesday night. So we're going to be looking at the sluggard. Now, this may be the picture uh, that you have in mind of the sluggard. Do we have some other pictures? We don't have any other pictures. Oh, my goodness. I wished I wouldn't have wasted all that time looking for those wonderful sluggard pictures. Now, this is a pretty good sluggard picture, but you think of a slug being an old snail uh, kind of laying out on the stoop, and you walk out, and then you don't know where he came. You don't know what he's doing. You figure he'll just lay there till you pour salt on him, and then he'll just fizzle up, you know. And uh, But the sluggard, the Bible has much to say about the sluggard. In fact, I was kind of surprised. I knew that the word sluggard was in the book of Proverbs, and I thought, well, I'll find where it's at. And then we'll just develop a message around the subject of the sluggard. And little did I know that the sluggard is mentioned 37 times in the Bible. Now you think about that. Many of the characters that we know about in the Bible are not mentioned 37 times. So if the Holy Spirit inspired men to write that word sluggard, 37 times in Scripture, it was probably for a very good reason that there was much to be learned and and much to be gained wisdom and insight from the life of the sluggard. You have an outline there in front of you. I appreciate Wendy taking care of that for us today and give you something if you'd like to kind of fill it out. On the front page is our basic outline of what we'll be looking for uh, tonight. And then on the back are not all of those Scriptures, but... Uh, some key scriptures and um, you can look at that a little later and just say, wow, the Bible really does talk about sluggards an awful lot. The sluggard, the one who is marked by utter 
uselessness, you know? Wouldn't that be awful if it were to be said of you, you know? He's useless. She's just utterly useless. You can find nothing that a sluggard is good for. The Bible never once says strive to be like a sluggard. In fact, it says just the opposite. It warns of the sluggard. It warns of the sluggish mind and the sluggish heart and the sluggish body. And it warns of those who just grow to that point that they are accomplishing very little in life. Four things we're going to look at tonight. The reason, the reality, the results, and the remedy. Look with me beginning in verse number 6, Proverbs chapter number 6. It's a very, very rich chapter of the Word of God. The writer writes, go to the ant, thou sluggard. He's comparing these two animals. I had a picture tonight I was going to show you of these little ants carrying these huge leaves. Well, they got the pictures. There we go. There's the sluggard and there's the ants. You see these tiny little ants? Think about that. These tiny little ants, they are, they are carrying something far bigger than their little body. They are accomplishing a great task. They're working together uh, all for the good of the colony. I mean, they're faithful. And the Bible says now, sluggard, you want a good lesson, you want a good role model, you go look at the ant. Now, I don't know about you, but that's never been somebody or something that I've ever looked at a lot and thought, boy, I want to be like that. In fact, I never played on a baseball team that we were called the ants, you know. Uh, I don't think I'd want somebody, I, don't, I wouldn't want Tiffany to say, I just love my husband. He's, he's so antish in all that he does, you know. But the Bible says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and then be wise. In other words, sluggard, you need to learn from the ant. You need to look at what she's doing and, and think about it and learn from that. Continue looking. Which have no guide, overseer, or ruler. But she provides her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Circle verse 9 there. We're going to come back to it in a minute. Yet a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. It begins talking about uh, an evil person, and a, a cunning person, and a sneaky person, and one who is forward, and one who is all about uh, mischief, and, and, and that calamity will come. And then the, the writer says, listen, it's so bad, I just want you to understand there are these six things that God absolutely hates. And when you read that, you understand that being a sluggard leads to some pretty serious things. The sluggard is mischievous and he's sneaky. In fact, he possesses the attributes of our enemy, the devil. By the way, I don't believe anything ought to be done in a sneaky manner. I believe things ought to be done in an, in an above more manner. You know, ought to be done uh, in a place that you can see it. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, you know me, I don't like social media. I just, I'm not a social media person. I don't understand it. I don't know why in the world people want to put all of their life out there for everybody to read. And I know there can be some good things to come of social media. I hear it all the time. Well, that's the only way I can keep up with my grandkids. Well, that's wonderful. But I'm afraid so many people are doing so much more, you know, and, and sometimes the attacks will come and sometimes uh, the, 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 the piercing words will be set out there and all of these things, you know, and you see the sluggard is not just sitting around doing nothing. In fact, what he does, the Bible says, is sneaky and, and it's back door. And in this text and so many others, the Bible warns against the sluggard. Let me give you a couple of things under the reason. <clears throat> 
the reason for the sluggard. Number one is laziness. Now, for time's sake tonight, we're just going to kind of look at, at the basic uh, sluggard himself. We're not going to look at all the other things that kind of stem from it, but just keep it very simple that we might learn something. Number one, laziness. Do you know that laziness is becoming more common with every passing generation? And I'm not putting down the young people. I, I love young people and I believe in them. I believe in, the, in our land. If we're going to have a true revival, it's going to come from young people. But laziness in our society is almost rewarded. Somebody said to me one time, you got to learn to work smarter, not harder. Listen, anybody that's going to work smarter, they better learn to work harder too. Because there's no substitute for hard work. You know, and we tell our staff all the time, you know, and, and I know they, they, the guys especially, they get tired of hearing and I feel like I'm constantly kind of beating them up, you know, more, 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 more. I feel like a drill sergeant, you know, find more that you can do and, and, and how to invest yourself more and all of these things. I, I want to make sure that, that we're creating a, an environment here of hard work and of commitment and all of these things. And, and friend, we, we realize that something has happened through the generations. Bad habits of laziness begin to form. God always throughout the word of God, you will see him rewarding hard work, rewarding one who is uh, keeping his hand to the plow and one who is faithful and is up early. I love the text that says, seek the Lord early while he might be found. Amen. And I realize that's not popular. I realize, you know, um, uh, when I was in college, I went to Wingate and, and I went to college and I remember um, getting up on Saturday mornings and almost going hysterical because nobody else was up. I mean, my, 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 my sweet mates and classmates, they literally on Saturdays many times would never get out of the bed. I don't mean they'd get up late. I mean, they just never got up. They just stayed up late on Friday night doing Lord only knows what. And then they'd finally go to bed and all day Saturday, it didn't matter if it was raining or sunny, they're still in the bed. Sunday morning, they finally might or might not get up. Completely losing a day, it drove me crazy. You know, I ended up with three jobs and a girlfriend and uh, stayed busy at her. But uh, I got busy, you know, I, I got to do something and I, I know that just being busy isn't always the best thing. You got to make sure that there's profit in that. But, but laziness... Laziness. It's a disease. Never rewarded in the Bible. The sluggard is lazy, but not only is the sluggard lazy, there's also lethargy about the sluggard. Now think about that. You say, well, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? No. Lethargy is being lazy, and I don't care. Lethargy is when I have no desire to do anything. Lethargy is when I, I just don't care and I'm satisfied to be so-so. Somebody told me one time, anything better than a C is really wasted effort, you know. I don't want to be average. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to be a sluggard. The reason I ask you to pay a special attention to verse number 9, how long wilt thou sleep? It relates directly to a verse in the book of Acts that speaks to the church not just to the believer and not just to one individual church, but to the church. Well, the writer of Acts says, how long will you sleep? It is now high time to rise up from your slumber. Talked about that a couple of years ago, preached a series on that. And it's now high time to wake up. The sluggard church 
is a church that maybe isn't necessarily lazy. They may be active and they may be doing things, but there's a lethargy when it comes to vision and there's a lethargy, a lethargy when it comes to their drive and their motivation and all of these kind of things. I pray it would never be said of us. You know? I, I was, and I, I'm somewhat consumed right now with this whole DOM search process. That is something that I have taken very, very seriously. Uh, I believe in our Bladen Baptist Association. We've got one of the greatest associations across the state. Very active, um, very mission-minded, very driven. And I, I want to make sure um, that that doesn't change. And uh, we, we've pushed really hard to the point that some of the committee members are probably about ready to strangle me because I have pushed so hard. And I would hear things like this, well, if we could just find another Bruce Cannon. And I love Bruce and Wendy. They're like brother and sister. We'll be friends forever. And I said, well, Bruce wants us to find somebody that's going to take us to even a greater level of ministry and missions. I know because he's said it over and over again. If I left here tomorrow, I would hope you'd find a much... I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better-looking pastor. Okay, let's just... We understand that. But I hope you'd find a pastor that would challenge you to do more and greater things. I've, I've served with pastors before in the past, and, and, and they're good guys. But every year they would always get out the Southern Baptist Convention Book of Reports, and they would look at all the churches they used to pastor. And then I'd have to hear for the next few weeks, well, I tell you, that church I pastored back yonder, man, ever since I left, just, you know. And I'd think, is that really what you want? You know? When I think about the church and when I think about the fact that it's high time to awake and I wonder, what is the writer of Acts saying here? How did the church go to sleep? I don't know about you. Let me all look like you better fall asleep now. I don't know about you. But if I sit down at my age, if I sit down and do nothing, I will fall asleep. Thomas Grimes used to tell me, he said, there is something on the passenger side of a vehicle that when you sit in it, you go to sleep. I mean, I'd be asleep before we get out of the parking lot. There's just something about that. If I sit still and I'm not active and I'm not doing something, I'm going to go to sleep. Can I get a witness? Amen? You sleep in your recliner rock and then finally go to bed. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. Rock fell asleep one night, three hours. Kitty was lecturing to him, three hours. He never missed a lick. Here's the deal, y'all. As the church, if we just sit down and do nothing, we will fall asleep. And the Bible warns over and over and over and over again about the importance of that fresh vision we talked about Sunday and about keeping the challenge live and about keeping that drive within us. Why? Because lethargy. A satisfaction with the status quo. A satisfaction with being so-so or mediocre. That will cause us to become what the Bible calls a sluggard. That's the reason of the sluggard. Number two. Number two, the reality. Just a stunning reality. The sluggard has become the norm today. On the back of your outline there, there's much proverbial wisdom. And there's a few places in the Proverbs that the Bible says, and so, by the way, did uh, Benjamin Franklin that the sluggard is soon passed by by his own poverty, right? 
Laziness tra uh, travels so slowly that poverty soon overtakes him. And the Bible says this, that, that, that being a sluggard will produce poverty. And I'm not just talking about physical poverty, but emotional poverty. I mean, think about it. A mind that is not being challenged. I went the other, um, I guess, which today? It was Monday sometime. I went to see John and Jean Lee. And John's got a stack of books beside his, his chair. And they're finished Sudoku puzzles. He literally does one turns the page, does the next one, turns the page, does the next one, hollers and asks Miss Jean to bring him a sandwich, eats his sandwich, then he goes and he does another one. And that's his daily routine. And he's so, because he's an, an accountant, and he wants his mind to stay sharp, and he's wanting, and he said, I'm afraid if I miss one day, what I might lose. What I might wake up and find that I no longer can do. And this is a man in his 80s. We have constantly got to be stimulating our mind and our emotions and dreaming and, and all of these things. Now, I'll admit there are times that I think I, I wish I could just kind of calm down a little bit. I wish I wasn't so type A and so high strung and, and things like that. And then I'll meet somebody that's like 84 years old that's still going hard with lots and lots of energy. And I think, now, that's me. That's what I want to be. That's where I want to be. But if there ever becomes a, a chapter in my life, if there ever becomes a, a time in my life where I say, you know what, I'm just going to coast for a while. I'm just going to lay back a little bit. I'm just going to kind of uh, pull, pull, you know, pull the e energy or effort level back a little bit. You know what? I might find that I start losing it. I might find that that energy and that drive and that desire and that, and that dreamer within is no longer even there. How do I know that... How do I know that being a sluggard produces poverty. Take a trip to Walmart sometime. Now, I'm not going to camp out on this point. But if somebody doesn't even have the wherewithal to take off their pajamas and put on some clothes to go to the store, there might be a reason why the unemployment is their income. And I don't mean that. Don't go and say, oh, there are people that are trying and they're trying to get a job and they out. I'm not talking about folks like that. I'm just talking about when you look at the scripture and you say, I get it. I get it. We have more people today in America living that are no longer even considered unemployed. They've quit looking. They've developed a mentality that I can make it without working. But the Bible says a man that does not work should not even eat. There, there's a, there's, there's a, a built-in desire that we want to work. Can I tell you, life is work. I had a good friend one time, and he, he was in college with me, and he said, I can't wait to graduate and get me a good job so I can take a week off and go play golf. You know? I mean, he really had it all figured out, you know? And, and I'm afraid that we're raising a generation that... And we've been there. We've interviewed people here... And, and, we, you know, and I'm thankful we got a good staff now, but we've interviewed people through the year. They never got a job. But, and they wouldn't ask us about our theology or our doctrine or our church policies or polity. They would say, well, how many weeks of vacation do I get? And I said, not as many as me. I get four weeks a year. And I've been warned never to try to take another one. Right? Well, you know... I really need Friday off. I hope that's not going to be a problem. I'm thinking, you ain't even got the job yet. You're already asking for a day off? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, there's something, you know, do you understand that I'm going to be your boss? You know, 
And it burdens me and it worries me. And I read and I think the, the words of wisdom for the book of Proverbs, it's so fitting. This is not an archaic book written thousands of years ago that makes no sense to modern day man. It is so very accurate. You know? I have regrets in my life that things that I wished I could go back, more education, um, especially counseling, training, and things like that. And I, I, Hasten and I agree, we talk about this, and he and I both feel kind of this way. You know, I'm not the sharpest guy in the world, but that's okay. I really don't care if anybody ever says, he's not that smart. Because they're right. But I do hope one day when I'm dead and gone, somebody say, no, he was really a hard worker. You know? Because, see, not everybody's got the same brain capacity. I try to avoid Rodney because he's so smart. I, I just feel like I'm just walking around going, duh, the whole time. I mean, you know, I'm a little bit intimidated by really smart people. Some of y'all say, well, he just loves hanging out with me. I wonder what that means. But the fact of the matter is not everybody has the same mental capacity. Not everybody has the same background of education. Not everybody has the same, all these things. But we can all do one thing. We can give it everything we've got. And everything you've got may be different than, the th than everything that I've got. When I used to go and work out at the gym, I would see people on the treadmill and they've had two hip replacements, quadruple bypass. Uh, they've got oxygen on them right then. And I'm not expecting them to keep up with Dean Hilton when he's running, y'all. You know, I mean, there's going to be a difference. Right? Everybody's got a different level of expectancy or expectation from the Lord. But everybody's got a 100% mark. Moving very quickly, the reality. Sluggardness. I don't even think that's a word, but I can't. Sluggishness, but being a sluggard produces poverty. But here, here's another one. Being a sluggard also produces unproductivity. What do I mean by that? It is contagious. Got to tell you. This morning I had a seven-minute gap between my first place and my second place. Seven minutes, that's long enough for me to go by Burger King, get me one of those little bitty breakfast burritos. I mean, it's a meal in this little sleeve. It's got your, your cheese, your eggs, your choice of ham, bacon, or sausage, and your hash browns all stuffed in to a little tortilla. You can wolf it down. You can eat it in like 20 seconds. And I got two and took, took one to a friend and gave it to him. But I went in there to order, and I'm like, I'm in a hurry. Got seven minutes. I'm speaking over to Elizabethtown Christian. I got to be there by 8.15. You know, I'm waiting, and I walk in. And like 12 people working. And I wait. And I wait. And I'm doing like this. <laughs> and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I'm thinking, when did this start? Because a couple of months ago, they remodeled the building, and for like a week, man, the super service, unbelievable. And... Then I realized the manager was actually there in kind of the life of the party. And I, I thought, you know, maybe, I know I'm short, maybe they can't see me over the counter, you know. So I finally just started going, hello. <laughs> Remember Mrs. Doubtfire, I was doing a Mrs. Doubtfire, hello. Hello, hello. And finally they walked up and they looked at me and said, do you need something? I said, well, I, to order? I look out and there's a lady, bless her heart, she's a sweet little lady, she drives a little car like mine. And she's, she's at the other door, and she's going boom to boom to boom because they hadn't even unlocked that door. And it hit me somewhere along that way, somewhere over the last three weeks, obviously, one of those employees thought, I'm going to see if I can get away with being a sluggard. 
And when they did, another employee said, I'm going to see if I can get away with being a sluggard. And they did. And another, and another, and another. Until finally, the whole blasted crowd of them is nothing but a bunch of sluggards. And I'm needing breakfast. Right? It is contagious. Oh, y'all, it is contagious. There's so much we could say about that. How that affects the church. I'm telling you, and I know y'all think, man, the last couple of years, this dude's just gotten so consumed with the church. And, but I go from place to place to place, and I look around, and I'm thinking, what happened? When did one of the members of the church say, I'm going to see if I can get away with just being a sluggard? Just sitting on a pew and attending it, and I'm not going to do anything. If I see trash on the floor, I'm not even going to pick it up. I'm going to write a letter and tell somebody they ought to pick the trash. I mean, and it and one after the other after the other, and it becomes contagious to the point that churches, entire churches, are sluggards. No. The most common thing. And I'm no super pastor. i got so much room for improvement. The most common thing that other pastors tell me, boy, you're crazy for doing all these different things. And i only got one life to live. You know? The reality. The reason. Number three. The results. What, what, what results from being a slugger? Does it really matter? Does it really matter? In every league that I've ever coached or played in, in any sport... There's always one team in this part. It's usually coached by Chuck Eustace. But there's always one team that's going to win every game. They're going to practice eight days a week if they can figure out how. They're going to run 152 laps after, before every practice. You know, that's just going to be that team. Nobody else wants to play them. It becomes a reality that you just look on your schedule and go in and put an L by that game because you know when you play that team, it's going to be bad. You just hope you don't get hurt, right? And then usually there's also another team. This team is filled with players that really only want a picture, a cupcake, and a trophy. They're not going to practice because Mama said they didn't have to, you know? In fact, they would just as soon sit the bench as be in the game. You don't believe me? They've done told the coach. And at the end of that season, the players don't know, nor do they care if they've won a game or not. There was no practice. There was no effort. It was a team of sluggards. A lot of times the coach at the beginning of the year had all this passion, and after about two or three weeks, he just gave up. <laughs> right? I have pastor friends that have just given up. Y'all... You might say tonight, man, he, I think he's bragging on himself. Let me tell you one thing. When I look at what God's done in this church, the last person I ever brag on is me. I am so blessed to be able to pastor a church who doesn't fight me on everything that comes along. And you don't, I don't want you to just go along with me because I say I think it's a good idea. But you pray and, and, you, and you seek the Lord's face and you get in and, you, and you're a part of it. I have pastor friends that want so bad to pastor a church like I get to pastor. So I tell you what's the truth. I've been trying to get them to go on a mission trip and they just won't go. For years I've been trying. Nobody will go. We've talked about doing this and we've talked about that. That's as far as it gets. We just talk about it and so many people are against us. We just don't even try. I am grateful that, that God's allowing me to pastor a group of people that are anything but sluggards. 
And I want to encourage you because this is the, the Wednesday night crowd on Sunday morning. Listen, encourage people that are in your Sunday school class to, to plug in and get involved. Don't just be a spectator, but to be a participant. We'll talk about that on Sunday a little bit more. But why? Because being a sluggard produces nothing of any eternal importance. Two things specifically based on the scripture that you have on the back of your paper tonight that you see resulting from being a sluggard. Number one, dead faith. Faith without works is dead. Right? When I think about a sluggard, I think about this picture of the guy that's supposed to be at work or whatever. You know, he's sitting back here sound asleep. You know? Uh, by the way, you know where you don't want a sluggard? You don't want a sluggard in the, um, in the tower when your plane's getting ready to land. Right? Why? Because his job is very, very critical. Would you agree? Folks, one of these days, King Jesus is coming back. And every person that has never accepted him as their personal Savior Lord will be eternally separated from God. If you think that flight controller has an important job to do, it doesn't even begin to compare with the job of the men and women who claim the name of Christ. Dead faith. But only dead faith, we've already talked about this. We won't move forward. Uh, we'll just move right on past it. But dead churches. The sluggard. The sluggard mentality. You know, I think I told you the other week I was in a meeting and walked up two pastors were trying to outdo one another about how few people they had on Wednesday night. Almost braggadocious. We only had four. I mean, we had eight. I think, why? I'd love to have a whole lot more than we got. But are we doing anything? Are you really trying? Are you willing to stick your neck out and try something new? Encourage people? You know? I got to tell, when did we get this morning by else? But we do these one calls. Yes, I know some people get tired of hearing my voice, Wendy's. My voice, probably not Wendy's. But we do these one calls and it usually starts out, well, hello, Dublin First Baptist and Lake Church family. This is Pastor Cameron calling to remind you that we're having an exciting worship service on Wednesday night and sure hope you can make it. Spread the word, yada, yada. I don't know what this is all about, y'all. Okay. But I know when I get those one calls at the end, it says to opt out of these messages, press one. <laughs> and I've been noticing. <laughs> when, I, when I put these one calls on, it's, it, I, you, you'll go through all these options. And it's funny. Sometimes I get the thing right the first time. Sometimes I'm out, you know, and I'm out pacing. It's on Saturday or something. I'm out pacing in the, in the street going, why can't I get this thing right? I keep leaving part of it out. But at the end, it finally says, if you are sure that you are ready to send this message... To all 184 recipients, press pound now before it's eternally too late. And you hit pound and it goes to all 184. That's two weeks ago. Last week, to send this message to all 180 recipients, press <laughs> yesterday, 177. When it said that, I heard this song, Brother Scott. Another one bites the dust. And another one down and another one. And I'm thinking, we're losing people. They are sick and tired of hearing these one calls. You know, Tiffany tried to cheer me up. She said, well, maybe somebody died. I said, no, I don't think so. I would know. I would know. I'm just kidding. But I'm thinking, are people just that sick and tired of being reminded of what's going on at the church? Because we don't call just to be calling. 
And if you're not on the one call and would like to be, we'd love to add you to build that number back up. But we're not just calling to, to just, you know, just tie up your phone line for an extra 38 seconds or whatever. But it's because we really, really, really want you here. And we want you to plug in. And we want you to invest. And we want you to be a part of the life of the church. You know? Finally, number four, and I'm done. I like this part, though. I, I was preparing this message over the last couple of days. And, and this morning about... I don't know, 4.30 or so. I just was struggling because I thought, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to tell them all the things that's wrong with being a slugger, but God, I don't have anything to end with. I want to make sure that I've got a remedy. I've got something I can give them. God, I have nothing. And he said, that's all right, I got this. And he immediately took me to Philippians 4.13. What does Philippians 4.13 says? That was good. You know, hope when somebody says, what's your grandkid's name? Uh, I can do all things. Is that what it says? No, through Christ who strengthens me. And I think about that little sluggard that's saying, there's so many things against me. And you know, listen, there are people that will tell me sometimes, well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm 70 years old. I'm thinking, you're just getting going. The most active, faithful people that I know today are 70 up. I'm telling you, it's amazing. If, and I don't, I'm not putting none of you down. But if, if we need something big done around here, I start looking with people that are about 60. Right? I mean, because they're not working 85 hours a week, you understand? But they're here and they're working and they're swinging hammers and knocking down walls and, and, and building things and doing things. And why? Because God strengthened them and they said, I can do all things, not because I'm that good, but because he's that good. And through him, I can do all things. I'm not going to be a retired sluggard. Right? I want us to teach our young people what it is to work and to earn and to invest. When I look back, one of my regrets, even on this project, and I don't know how we could have done it, but I wish we could have implemented more of our kids our teenagers, I don't know how to do it because they're doing a thousand things, but where they can walk through the hall and go, I helped do this. I was part of this project. So that we're training them in this, in this next uh, generation. The remedy, very quickly, it, be, it begins with, with, with repentance, with realizing, you know, I can do so much more than I'm doing. By the way, anything less than your best, is not what God commanded. The Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, in, both in word and in deed, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men. I'm to give everything I've got. You know, I remember growing up watching races. I, I, I just did not like Dale Earnhardt. Um, I got to preach the other week, and his mom was in the audience. That was interesting. But um, looks just like him. Looks like Dale Earnhardt, only a 75-year-old woman with white hair. No, but she had everything. But, I mean, you could look, and it was, it was eerie. But anyway... I could not stand Dale Earnhardt because I liked to, you know, you loved him or hated him, you know. I mean, I know he's dead, but it's okay. But you couldn't help but acknowledge at the end of the race, he didn't walk in and say, ah, I did okay. He gave it everything he had, right? And, and, you know, I think that's what God's looking for. And you say, but wait a minute, preacher, I've got so many things going against me and you don't know what all I've got on me. And, and preacher, I know, you know i got to tell you, this morning, I was Elizabethtown Christian. I was speaking, and, and, and God just blessed. It was a really cool deal. Had a, had a grown man make a commitment to Christ. Now, that's awesome. Not one of the kids, but anyway, that was awesome. But I looked around, and we sang like five songs, and the kids are dancing and singing, and it was really neat. 
And I see these kids that are taller than me, third graders, fourth graders, and they're doing all their stuff. And then through the crack in the crowd, I see this little guy. His name's Jaden. He came to our day school. Many of you know Jaden. Jaden's a small person. He'll always be a small person. And he's there with his little arms that are about that long. And he's praising God and he's worshiping God and he's giving it everything he's got. And he's trying to keep up with the words and the motions and the moves and all of that thing. And I thought, you know what? He's not the best dancer in the crowd. But I bet in glory they're looking down and saying, look at him. Because he's given everything he's got. And that's what God's called us to be. There's a commitment. God, I don't have the gifts of other people. I don't have the abilities of other people. I don't have the calling of other people. But whatever it is that you lay on my heart, I'm going to give it 100%. I'm going to take you at your covenant. I'm going to claim the promise of of, of Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ because you are going to strengthen me. Just a few lessons tonight from the life of the sluggard. Maybe next week we'll look at the life of the ant. That would be kind of neat and uh, move along. Would you join me as the Lord would lead at the altar for prayer, remembering all of these and the many others that are upon our prayer list. I'm grateful that God knows every need. And um, also uh, specifically over the next week and a half for the Bladen Baptist Association for our Uh, DOM uh, recommendation and for all of that process that God would just God would just come in and he would just calm uh, everything and make it a very smooth transition and that he would be so very honored and so very glorified by the whole process would you stand to your feet Tommy's going to like like us on Facebook Tommy's going to like us on Facebook and uh, I don't even know what that means exactly But uh, I guess, I hope if I'm on Facebook, you'd like me. But I'm not on Facebook. But as they sing and as they lead us in this time of invitation, something's on your heart. We're here for you. Uh, These are sweet services and a time that we can just be uh, alone with God, knowing that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us and inviting us to come join Him. Amen. Sing.